0: this offends you, you don't know what real freedom looks like. We flicked the cigarettes. We turned off the Hollywood. jail at midnight, and at midnight, Paul just gave Silas a gentle little nudge, said we might be in chains, we might be in a place that we don't deserve, it might smell bad and no creature comforts in this jail, but in my spirit I'm free, and they sang praises at midnight and the prisoners hurt them. It's the sound of freedom. If you're free, praise him. If you wanna be free, praise him. You ain't gonna see this in a ball game. You ain't gonna see this in a rock concert. You ain't gonna see see this in Alcoholics Anonymous. Let's clap our hands one more time and give him glorious praise. Thank you, thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus To all of our visitors we're delighted that you're here you are here in the will of God and um, if I got started I would um, I would be remiss because I'd probably somebody would say hey you didn't mention me but I will tell you Brother David, to have your parents here today. That's a big deal. David Sr. and Sharon, God bless you. We're delighted that you're here today. Amen. And to all of our visitors, we feel delighted and honored with so many choices in our world today. We're delighted and honored that you chose to be here. I'd like to direct your attention to the book or to the Psalm number 25. Psalm number 25. Psalm number 25. And we are going to begin reading in verse number 7. If you did not bring your Bible, maybe you could just kind of look over on with somebody. We have furnished the scriptures to be shown on the screen, but there's nothing like having the verification of seeing it in the word of God. Verse number 7, Psalm 25. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity for It is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord. That's what we want to talk about for several moments here today. The secret of the Lord. Let's put our Bibles down and one more time. I know that we praise the Lord a bunch here today and lifted up his name, but let's pray for the remainder of this service. There's people under the sound of my voice that not yet have been initiated into the ways of God. They they don't believe, not because you're evil or you've done something unpardonable, but you don't believe that God holds your answer. I beg to differ with you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you We thank you for the privilege of standing in your presence. The glory, the power, the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that is in this place today. We pray that it fill every heart, every mind, every spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. One would think with the incredible advancement of technology and electronics and communication, that the billion or so people that actually possess some medium of communication, be it internet or be it smartphone, with all of the social networking and social media that America has become so familiar with and cannot seem to function without, one would think that these incredible devices have added and enriched the human experience. One would think that the ability to bring somebody hundreds and even thousands of miles away and produce their face on a screen, to be able to communicate with people would would bless the human experience, but a recent study has proven without a shadow of a doubt that Although social networking and the internet experience is at an all-time high, more people feel lonely, feel isolated, and feel a lack of trust towards their fellow human being than they ever have in the history of the human race. is a worldwide lack of trust, and people have barricaded themselves between anonymous names and anonymous screen profiles. And we are entering in, and we actually have reached the zenith of the anonymous age where I have a presence, but I do not have an identity. Why this incredible worldwide, not just in Western culture, not just in the United States, but a worldwide lack of trust. In our text here in Psalm 25, this is a famous passage of Scripture, we see the human dilemma in varying hues. Going back to our text that I read in your hearing in verse number 7, the D- David said, and this is definitely a psalm of David, he said, remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. Verse number 11, he said, pardon mine iniquity for it is great. The sins, the transgressions, and iniquity, those three different words, comprise the totality of human separation between mankind and God. Sin means to miss the mark, to fail the perfect desire and perfect will of God. The word transgression literally means to rebel or to trespass. And the word iniquity means sins that represent mischief, perversity, moral evils, and presumption. Those three words together are found repeatedly through the Word of God, in particular by and in the writings of David. David talked more about being a sinner and making the mistakes more than any other person in the Bible. That's a great help to me, and that's a great source of comfort to me. We have a tendency in... Uh, modern Christianity to think the best about biblical figures, and we have a tendency to focus on the exploits and the tremendous things which uh, our biblical characters have accomplished. But uh, I love God's version because God uh, does not varnish the whole picture. You might have brought down the giant by the name of Goliath, but David was also capable of adultery and murder and deceit. God doesn't hide any of it. And I'm glad because of that, because we in the 21st century, we need a God that is real. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, I serve a real God. I serve a living God. The Bible says, David continuing on here, he said in Psalm 69 and 5, he said, "O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. I love the New Testament where even John, the Revelator, but before he was ever exiled to Patmos, he recorded in John chapter number 20, he said, he recorded Peter, when Peter was being cross-examined by Jesus, when Jesus said, Peter lovest thou me, after Peter's failure, Jesus came to Peter, and he was giving Peter an opportunity to profess, to confess, to publicly demonstrate that although you made a mistake, you really do love me. Our mistakes do not surprise God. Let's just go ahead and clap our hands and give God the praise today. I'm wanting to be real today. I'm apostolic. You're never going to take that away. I'm Pentecostal. You're never going to take that away. But I'm not going to make it unless I'm real with God and real with myself. Clap your hands and give him praise. That is an air compressor. And that has just added to the incredible color of this service today. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Devil, you're not going to stop this service. I saw a little two-foot high little girl running the aisle. And if you, uh, this is to all the young kids. We had to sit some of them down because they've not yet been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we don't just run to run here. We run to celebrate. And we can leap through a troop and run over a wall and all that kind of stuff. But I saw a little two-foot girl, and Nora brought her, my granddaughter brought her up to me, who's been baptized. And I saw her running, and I said, should you guys be running? And Nora, wherever Nora is, she said, she's been baptized in Jesus' name. And I thought, why not? I'd rather have them run the aisles here than run in the streets with drugs. But my point being, I saw her run the opposite direction, and I thought, I'm glad Brother Cody Cobbs isn't here, because I, I I think he runs with his eyes closed. Anyway, I'm sure somebody will tell him that, and I'll apologize. He had not hurt anybody uh, in a long time. David said in Psalm 32 and 5, he said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression. Now, there's, those are the three components of human disobedience and the broken relationship that exists between man and God. Everything that David mentioned in Psalm 25 is in that one verse. He mentions transgression. He mentions sin. He mentions iniquity. He said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Salah. David understood the secret of the Lord, and he understood the absolute dependence on God for forgiveness. If you're visiting with us here today, I want to tell you that God loves you. God already knows everything. Peter said to Jesus, he said, Thou knowest all things. And John said, I'm going to record that in a book. You can't hide anything from God. You cannot hide your secret sin. You can't hide what you did last night. You can't hide what you did last week. You can't hide what you did last year. You can't hide what you did 10 years ago. But I want to tell you, all of you are welcome at the base of the cross. And all of you are welcome to establish a relationship with the mighty God. Clap your hands and give him praise. Psalms 51, which is David's crowning prayer for all of humanity to see. The great king that wanted to build a house for God. Sitting in a house of cedar, he had rest with all of his from all of his enemies. And he mentioned to the prophet that, you know, God dwelleth in tents, and I believe, I believe I'm gonna build a house for God. The prophet said, do that is all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. problem is the prophet missed it, and David missed it. Because that night in a dream, God spoke to the prophet and said, go back and tell David. Essentially, and I'm paraphrasing this, I never asked you to build me a house. I chose to dwell in a tent that I might dwell among my people. Because God has always been on the move since Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. And God is still on the move in the 21st century. You're not going to confine him to a box. You're not going to confine him to a denomination. You're not going to confine him to a group of people. He's a big God. He's a glorious God. He's a universal God. He's omniscient. He's ubiquitous. He's omnisapient. He's omnipresent. Clap your hands and give this God praise. But he said, "Because you wanted to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house, and I'm going to establish your throne forever." That was in Second Samuel chapter number seven. But in Second Samuel chapter number eleven, while the nation of Israel was out fighting, and that's usually what happens when a saint of God is not conducting spiritual warfare or engaging in warfare like they should be, that they get into trouble. And while he stayed back in Jerusalem, he looked at a woman, ended up committing adultery and killing the woman's husband. So I know what you're thinking. And I know what David was thinking. Because through Nathan the prophet, he came to him and he said, he used a riddle on David. And David said that that man is going to pay, and he's going to pay fourfold. And the prophet said, Thou art the man. And David lost four children. And David was thinking that prophecy that God gave me back in 2 Samuel chapter number 7 about establishing my throne forever. Surely God's gonna do it away. Surely God's prophecy and promise that I my house and David's house was not a structure, David's house was a dimension. It is a dimension. prophet said, you're going to lose four of your children. David is thinking that prophecy, that promise that I prepared for and that I've looked for is surely over. But what you need to understand is there are some promises that are bigger than your failures. Go ahead and give God the praise. There are some prophecies that are greater than your failure because Gabriel showed up. And spoke to a little girl that was the age of 14 by the name of Mary. And when the angel showed up, he said, God is about to bring through you. He that is going to sit on the throne of David. How could God use an adulterer? How could God use a murderer? How could God use somebody that played the part of a hypocrite for over a year with deceit? How could God do that? It's the secret of the Lord. Clap your hands and give him praise. You say, I don't know. I'm saying to myself every day that I get out of bed. It's not by my effort. It's not by my perfection. It's not by my righteousness. It's not by my holiness. It's by the secret of the Lord. He knows everything about me, and I've learned to trust him. Somebody shout unto the Lord. There's some prophecies that are greater than your failure. Clap your hands and give him praise. David understood the secret of the Lord. You see, what God wants to establish with every one of us is a relationship of trust. See, this is why God does not bless you by what you do publicly. God doesn't bless you because you're here today. I mean, you'll be blessed by being here today, but that's not why God will bless you. God doesn't, that's, that's a denominational mentality that I have to go to a building to be blessed of God. That's not how God blesses. God doesn't bless by what you do publicly. God blesses you by what you do privately. God doesn't bless you when you're looking around in a place that's got uh, 400 people and say, well, I believe I'll clap today. You'll get a derivative of that. You'll, you'll be the beneficiary of God's presence because when the praises go up, the glory comes down. But what God really wants to know is what are you doing on Monday and what are you doing on Tuesday and what are you doing on Wednesday and what's going on in your living room and what's going on when no. Nobody can see you. That's why people run. And that's why people shout. And that's why people are blessed. Because God blesses what takes place in secret. It's the secret of the Lord. Clap your hands and give him praise. I watch people in the prayer room. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. But I watch people straining. and it's, it's, it's difficult. Let me give you. A help as a pastor. Start praying at home. There's some people who think the only place I can pray is at church. You need to pray at church. But when we, you have to understand there's two kinds of apostolic prayer. There is the public prayer that took place in Acts chapter number one. They were all gathered in the upper room, 120 strong. That was the prayer that they were waiting for the promise of the Father that Jesus gave to them in Acts chapter one and verse number eight and Luke chapter number 24 that you would go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. That is public prayer. When you come into the prayer room, that's no place to deal with the the secret man, the hidden man. That's what you take place in secret and say, God, I have no right to look unto you. have no right to call on your name, God said. I already know all about that. But at least you trust me. At least you and I have a relationship. At least you know you clap your hands and give God the praise. No, we're not. We're not praising Him near enough right now. Somebody that knows the secret of the Lord, you ought to lift your hands and lift your voice. I have no right to praise Him. I have no right to stay. David understood the secret of the Lord. Somebody shout. Honey, I'm not on here because I've got a PhD. I'm not here because of the personification of perfection. I'm here as a recipient of the goodness and the grace and the power and the glory of an almighty God. Somebody praise him. You think you can earn this? One of the great cracks and fissures of denominational theology, they point fingers at us because we're so fundamental, biblically fundamental, and they say you guys are trying to earn that. You can't earn this. Are you kidding me? You can't earn this. The reason why I live the way I do is not trying to earn it. It's obedience to the Word of God. (laughs) If you're trying to earn this, you're going to end up backsliding because nobody's that good. All have come short. All have filthy rags. But, honey, when you drag yourself back to the altar, God said, I already know exactly where you're at. But I love you. And this is what grace is for. This is what anointing is for. My Lord, I'm about to blow a circuit. Can anybody praise him today? I'm not here because I'm perfect. I'm here because I've got grace. Because of the blood of the Lamb. Because I'm honest with God. Your greatest testimony is going to be a secret. No, I know, I know. Everybody knows what I was for. I came to God because there's a book about it, and it's pretty dramatic. And, but there's people under the sound of my voice. Your testimony is every bit as valid as mine is. Every bit as valid. There's nobody that's worse than somebody else. We're all blessed. Everybody knows they got me off drugs, delivered me from alcohol, delivered me from being lazy, a bum, a bum. Well, you owned a car. Dude, you call a 62 Rambler without reverse, I didn't even have a registrar, didn't even know who the owner was. You calling that, owning a car? I didn't even know who owned it. That wasn't owning a car. That was something to make to my next drug deal. Everybody knows about that. But only he and I know about stuff that he delivered me from. That nobody will ever know. And the reason why I bend my knee, the reason why I lift my voice is not to impress you. It's not so I can fit in. It's because a God called me out of darkness and said, I'll never give up on you. I'll never walk away from you. I'll never leave nor forsake you. Can somebody lift your voice? If you know the secret of the Lord, praise him. I have no right to be here. I'm not good enough. Somebody over here shout, please. You can't earn this. You might as well just go ahead and be honest and, let, and just train yourself to accept the grace of God. Did you just run the aisles? Man, I'm coming to shake your I don't even know your name. You're running the aisles. The house. Hey, man. He's wearing changes just out of the hood, but he says, man, I can relate to this. <laughs> See, week in and week out, God sees what you've been doing in secret. Some of you don't think God's that big. Well, I, I'm going to do my little deal on the side. You go ahead and do your little deal on the side. God's there. The devil's there too. See, the, devil, the devil's got two faces. He's got two costumes. He never did real good in Hollywood. He had a horrible makeup artist. He's only got two costumes. The first costume is a tempter. Go, do it. You want this. You need this. You can't live without this. You can't live without him, her. You fill in the blank. Don't look at me that way. You know exactly what I'm saying. Come on, do it. You can't live without it. Your flesh is weak. It you saturates your mind. You think you're going crazy because that's all you think about. You go and do what the devil told you to do. Now he goes and changes. Aha! Now he's the accuser of the brethren. And he said, You did that, and you get a cornerstone, and they all will. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let this suit fool you. I got to have blood. I've got to have red, rich blood. I've got... Don't let these shoes fool you. Don't let that truck fool you. I've got to have a prayer life. You might be able to fool your wife. You may be able to sit there, you can't praise him, you're frozen because you've been doing stuff on the sly. If you know the secret of the Lord, you say, God, forgive me. Only you've seen that. And God says, you're free, you're forgiven, you're liberated. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's the secret of the Lord. See, week after week, What's been going on around here is God talks to the pastor. And God will give the pastor a word or the evangelist or whoever's preaching. God God can use anybody. And there's somebody that God begins to talk to them about stuff that's in secret. Nobody's seen where you've been going and what you've been doing that's less than the attributes of a Christian. So the pastor gets up and he addresses the secret, what you're doing in secret. That's not to expose you. That's God saying, I know where you're at. I'm trying to help you. And if you'll come to this altar, not only will I forgive you, but I'll give you power over your eyes and power over your ears. And Somebody give him praise. Somebody thank God for an anointed conviction and the power of the word of God that takes me from faith to faith and victory to victory. If God can no longer convict you and you get dishonest, then God has to up the ante to save you. See, some people don't believe this operation. This is, what the whole, this is what this whole operation is about. God already knows what you're doing. God wants to know if you're going to trust him enough to let God know that God knows what's going on so that you know what God knows and God knows what you know and all is See, there's some people that are thinking they're getting away with stuff, thinking God just don't know what I'm doing. And this is why you're not blessed. You get cut off. You can confess anything to God. You are not going to offend him. You are not going to turn him off. You're not going to drive him away. You're not going to offend him. You're not going to tell him to get off. He said, no, 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 no. I'm coming after you with everything i got. When the prodigal came home, he covered him. When, When Peter came home, he covered him. When the sinner comes home, they get covered. When Adam and Eve came out of the bushes, they got covered. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Respond to the probing light of the word of God and the spirit of God. See, the more reticent, the more pronounced, the more, the more pure. That's what helps people to live for your lives. So this is why it's important that leadership live right. Because they are the medium whereby those elements flow through. So now God has to use a prophet. And a prophet stands up and says, there's somebody here today. Because you didn't hear God in his small, still voice. And if you continue to sit there and continue to do your deal, then that which is done in secret is shouted from the housetop. And that's not God trying to embarrass you. That's God's last attempt to save you. Because you would not walk. In the secret of the Lord. Let's lift our hands and love him. It's incredible that God wants that kind of a relationship with me. Which you can stand in front of a group of people. And in in theory, you could have come through horrific, absolute, shockingly embarrassing things that nobody would ever be able to digest. But it's not for you to ever know. You're just a representation to the invisible world, that you've accepted God's grace and the secret of the Lord. I'm so glad that God doesn't share my secrets with others, but when he shares your secrets with me, that's God's attempt to try to save you. I remember one time as an evangelist, I'm coming down the home stretch. I, uh, when I was evangelizing during the, my daughter was actually born on the evangelistic field, not in a field. She was in a hospital, but I was on the field. <laughs> you understand. She, um, my trailer was parked at some people that lived close to the church they were lifelong friends of mine. If I saw them today, I would fall at their feet and love on them because of their incredible contributions into my life. I had a son that my wife had just gone to the store, and I was in the trailer. I think Zach was very young. He was taking a nap, and I was in the... In my trailer, and there was a knock on my door. And um, this young man came in. He looked. He was panic stricken. I loved him. I loved him like a brother. He came in. He said, "He said, Brother Mayo, I need to talk to you." And he was just fidgeting. He was just so. He was so anxious. I would never seen him like this. And um, he started talking to me. He said, "You know, da da da, da da." And he was. He was just. He was just. He was just going around the edges, and I said, uh-huh, I'll pray with you, I'll pray with you, I'll pray with you. While he was talking, while he was talking, the Holy Ghost revealed to me that he had committed fornication. And so when we, uh, when we started to pray, I prayed, now that I had that knowledge, I started praying a certain way. I am convinced we'd have a lot more gifts of the Spirit If some men could walk with whatever God wants to show them instead of telling everybody. Because see, when God reveals that to you, that's not for you to hold over that person. That's for you to say, I'm going to pray in such a way that you get delivered from the crushing heel of the devil. For we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm convinced we'd have a lot more prophecy in the church if some people would walk with God and not care what everybody thought. I'm convinced we'd have a lot more gifts of the Spirit. I wish somebody would clap your hands and give God the praise. God can keep a secret. It's the secret of the Lord. There's things about people in this church you'll never know that I know. That I know about you. That only happens, that operation of the spirit only happens, Elder Sergeant, when a man understands the secret of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Some people get a bit of information, hey, you know what, and it comes off like nothing more than suspicion. God doesn't give this to fools. But when God reveals something of that to somebody, it's because you've proven that God can trust you. And you're going to start praying in such a way that that crushing heel of the devil is put to flight and that person is liberated by the power. We don't understand the power of the blood. I'm just telling you here today, we sing songs about it, and I I know you're forgiven. I know it's the basis of our salvation. I know that we're redeemed. I I know all that. I, I know it's the basis of all soteriology from Genesis to Revelation. But hear me! When Jesus shed his blood, it was an eternal redemption. It wasn't just for the sins you did before you came to Jesus. It was the sins you did one minute after you. It's every sin you'll ever commit until the day of the rapture. But as long as you get blood on it, as long as you go back to God, it is the secret of oh, Lord. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. had situations where God revealed to me the sins that people were doing because they wouldn't repent. Sometimes when this man of God and others that come through here and preach, it's God's attempt to save you. Well, we don't want that kind of church. We're going to drive visitors away. Honey, if you can get driven away by a church that moves in the Holy Ghost, you're looking for the wrong church. I'm not looking for a program. I'm not looking to play shuffleboard. I don't need to play dominoes until midnight. I'm looking for the power and the demonstration of the almighty God and the authenticity of the word of God. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. He's trying to help you clean your garment. He's trying to help you get the spots out. Get the fold out. Get the wrinkles out before the rapture. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 verse number 9. He talks about adulterers, fornicators, effeminate homosexuality, thieves, drunkards and the such like will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you get all the way to the back of the book, and it talks about people that won't enter into the New Jerusalem, people that are fearful. You're not going to make it if you're so afraid you can't. You know, Pastor, (laughs) I'm just afraid to give a Bible study. Well, that dude, he needs to be saved. So what's going to be greater here? Your love for his soul or your fear? the fearful, the unbelieving, all liars, you know what God's doing in the 21st century? And you that are visiting, this is good for you. The reason why God's bringing things into your life is not to destroy you. God is trying to finish you up and clean you up and get all the stains out and get all the wrinkles out. We're about to get called home. And I want to walk on the street of gold. And God wants you to walk on the street of gold. And God wants you to walk in white. And God wants to give you a new name. And God wants you to sit in his throne. la <speaking> ya. It's not a mean church. It's not a mean pastor. It's God trying to get you ready for the rapture. Let's lift our hands and just love God. Jesus already knows the complications. The idiosyncrasies of your situation. But the Bible calls it the simplicity. Just a real easy answer. It's all you need. J-E-S-U-S. Not months of counseling. I don't need Dave Ramsey's 12 CD set. I don't need Joel Olstein's weekly presentation from the Astrodome. I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in you. Every once in a while, there's, now I haven't felt this spirit in a long time. I was an evangelist, okay? And every once in a while, I'd feel this spirit. Hey, Pastor. How come Sister So and So back up in the choir? I thought she messed up. Okay, well, who made you judge and jury, Homer? Get backward in your pew. Every time you see somebody up there and you say, you know what, they ain't got no right to be there. You better be careful. Shh, it's the secret of the Lord, and it ain't none of your business. God's already taken care of it. What do you think the blood's for? What do you think the resurrection's for? What do you think the day of Pentecost is for? God, somebody ought to just come out of your skin and realize you're way better off than the devil's ever told you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's the secret of the Lord. All right, I'm finishing with this. Every time the devil comes to me, is that Brother Reed? Brother Wallace J. Reed. I don't know what your middle name is, but I, I just put a J there. It stands for justified. Wallace Justified Reed. You know, Brother Wallace, devil comes to me, and tries to scare you to death and show you some things and talk to you about stuff, and I just go, shh, it's between me and God, it's covered, (laughs) blessed is the man whose sin is covered, you know, but in Luke chapter number, or Leviticus chapter number 18, you don't have to go there, Leviticus 18. There's an entire chapter that was dedicated in the Decalogue, the Pentateuch. There was an entire chapter that dealt with interpersonal relationships, family relationships, mother, father, brother, sister, in-laws, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, great-grandparents. Everybody's listed there, Leviticus 18. The nation of Israel is on their way. They are ghetto folks from Goshen, and they're on the way to the Promised Land. And one chapter, God takes an entire chapter and says, they that uncover the nakedness of their father is an abomination. Thou will not uncover the nakedness of thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of their grandfather. Thou shalt not... <clears> on <throat> and on and on and on and on and on and on. For all that do so is an abomination unto the Lord. You know, every once in a while you get some people that ain't praying. They ain't got nothing better to do than, hey, you know, I heard that brother so-and-so really messed up. I wonder who he did it with and where they done it. Oh, devil, get thee behind me. For you to uncover or a brother or a sister is an abomination. Jesus said, if I covered it, it ain't none of your business who they did it with and where they did it and how many times. Clap your hands. What we need to do is thank God for our covering and the power of the, somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to glorify. Somebody needs to give God the praise. It's the secret of the Lord. Over $500,000. Our building sold last week and the money's in the bank charts. This is building number four. We're moving to building number five. How did I do that? It's the secret of the Lord. It's not an education. It's not perfection. It's not having the right birthright. It's not having the right connections. It's not a position in an organization. It's a relationship between me and my God. Clap your hands and give him praise. I was in a conference, and I'm closing with this. I was in a conference years ago. My pastor was preaching. I still dearly, dearly, dearly love and honor my pastor. My pastor was preaching a large conference. I was in the audience. And he told a story, and I'm going to close with this story told a story, thousands of people in this conference, and he said, a few years ago, I got a call from my friend, my brother-in-law, Brother Kenneth Haney, or was it Brother Paul Price, I apologize, I can't remember, but he got a call. He mentioned the man's name. He said this man is in a house in San Francisco. A house that is reserved for AIDS patients that are in the latter stages of AIDS. Victorian style house in the older part of San Francisco. And he mentioned that he'd like you to come and pray for him. Brother Wilson, I remember the story that he Kind of thought for a minute, the name, the name, the name, that name. The name that was given to him was when Brother Wilson and Brother Randy Keys, who pastored for many years in Modesto, California, when they were teenage boys, they had a youth leader in Kerman, California. Now, if you know where Kerman, California is, shout. Kerman, California. Brother Wilson said we were the only two people in the youth group. And our youth leader had a beautiful wife and two young children. And. For reasons that were far beyond any, anything that anybody could ever discern or detect, the man left the church long after Brother Wilson, Brother Keys had left. But this man left the ministry, left his wife, left his children, and threw himself headlong into an alternative lifestyle. He became 100% part of the gay lifestyle in San Francisco. Wilson had not heard or talked to this man for many, 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 many years, and now this man was calling, wanting Brother Wilson and Brother Keys to go pray for him. Brother Wilson told the story that they went, they pulled up to the house. If you know anything about older San Francisco architecture, the Victorian style of homes there, they're real close together, they're just straight up, not spread out, but straight up, and so they locked the car, and they started walking up the creaky, rickety steps of this Victorian house in San Francisco. They walked in, um, another set of stairs, knocked on the door, and there was lots of giggle and laughter because this man had many of his gay friends were in that room with him. And um, they said, who's there? And they said, the preachers. And the door opened, and all of his friends filed out and kind of giggled as they walked past a couple of men of God. They filed down the stairwell, and they entered the room. He said, when they walked into the room, that he was so emaciated that he was unrecognizable. He had 17 raging diseases that were in his body. One of the most preeminent diseases of AIDS is Sarkozy's Carmosa is a skin cancer that develops huge outward lesions on a person's body. This man could not open his eyes. He was so weak and thin and emaciated, they thought this man is almost, certainly almost dead. They walked in, they walked to the side of the bed, and they looked down at this man that used to be their youth leader. And the man said, Thank you for coming. Would you please pray for me? And my pastor said, in a conference with thousands of people and hundreds of preachers. He said this man lifted his hands to the best of his ability. And we all prayed. And he said it was only a few moments. And this man that was dying of AIDS fluently spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. My pastor said, I have never felt anything like that before or since. It was like we felt the presence of angels coming in from all directions, filling that room. We could feel it, the presence of angels. You'll feel the, when you, when an angel moves in, you'll feel it externally. When God moves in, you'll feel it internally. And they could feel angels moving into that room. The rank and file of heaven was there for this prayer meeting. he had wasted the precious coins of his life but knew the secret of the Lord. Several days later they left they left that room, got into the car, went back to the Central Valley to their churches. Several days later they got the report that the man died. Brother Wilson is still giving this testimony in front of thousands of apostolic people. He said, people have asked me what they thought happened to that guy. And he said, there's no question in my mind that he was saved. Let's stand. I wonder. I wonder if somebody feels like establishing that kind of a relationship with an all knowing, all forgiving, all loving this altar is open. You that are visiting with us are you might have never heard about that side of God. You heard about his might, his power, his judgment, heaven, hell. We don't deny any of that. It's all part of the Word of God. But on this side of eternity, let me introduce to you a God that knows all things. This altar's open. Come. don't come maybe stand with somebody and just be a support to them as they reach out to a God they don't know but God says I already know them because I've watched them, I've seen them, I've waited for this moment felt you. And God, I didn't sense you. and God, I was there all along. I saw everything. I was there. The pain, the suffering. I know you don't understand why, but all things work together. Let's pray. Come on, lift your voice. Let's reach out to a God that will not reject you. He will not discard you. But He will embrace you.